This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our June 18th, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And uh, if you haven't heard from me in a while, uh, it's probably because I was on vacation for a couple weeks. So uh, it's good to be back uh, and, and talking to uh, the Invest Talk audience. And uh, it feels a little later than, uh, than it normally does for, for me here in California. Uh, still adjusting to the time change, but it doesn't mean I can't answer your questions. And as always, our number one mission of Invest Talk is to focus your attention on the tools and winning strategies that can help you grow your money over time consistently. And that's really what it's about. It's not, uh, you know, what's the old saying? It's, it's, it's not what you do once that defines you. It's what, the, what you do over and over and over again, right? So that's same with money, investing, saving, all that. You have to consistently do it and do it in the right way uh, with the right philosophy and the right strategies. So one way to help you achieve your goals is to provide answers to your finance and investment questions. So we always want to know what's on your mind. I can talk about whatever on the show. right? I can talk about my trip to Europe. could do that for, for an hour. But that's probably not what you want to hear. You probably want answers to your questions. So we want to hear your calls. And you can call us right now at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Sorry. <laughs> 888-992-4278. Haven't said that in a while. It's probably why. Now I've got to ask, uh, you know, is your portfolio heavily reliant on income producers or uh, maybe REITs or uh, maybe they are only focused on yield? And there's risk in yield. Even though they tend to be less risky, you know, dividend payers tend to be less risky doesn't mean they are risk-free. I get this all the time, you know. Oh, aren't stocks risky? Yes, all stocks are risky. But they don't all have the same amount of risk. And they all have different types of risk. One example, our REITs, is that, you know, today in, we have a, a shift in consumer spending habits away from malls and the battle with the rise of e-commerce. So we're going to look into that coming up. Uh, and that's one of the things we're going to discuss. But now let's get to your questions by playing a call that came in earlier on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Richard in Texas had a question about my 401k. Uh, we have 18 options in our 401k. It's managed by Fidelity. I was looking at their engine suggestions for my account and they were suggesting that I should put 30% in bonds if bonds aren't really doing much without inflation does that make sense to you I think there's probably better options in the 18 choices as opposed to bonds if uh, you could clarify that up to is there 
thinking right or is my thinking right? I'll listen for the call or the thank you. Well, the answer to that is pretty complex. Uh, now, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shift uh, a little bit to our Active 401k program, which what that does is it runs you through a risk analysis questionnaire. And that's first off. That's what you need to know, is how risky do you want to be? Do you want to be conservative, moderate, moderately aggressive, aggressive? That's kind of how you know we categorize it. You can categorize in different ways. You can slice and dice the risk spectrum as much as you want. But that's kind of the, the, the general uh, idea of what you have to think about. So then you say, okay, what are my investment options? And, you know, uh, in, in a 401k, you're limited. Like you said, you have 18 options. Almost every fun, uh, 401k plan out there is different. And so your options are going to be probably different than the next. And they may be good. They may be bad. Usually most plans have a mix of good and bad and average funds. Uh, and so which one should you focus your attention on based on their uh, attractiveness kind of long term, right? Uh, and, and their relative performance and their fees. And then you go and, okay, what's the current market condition? Uh, where areas of the market are have the best value, have the best technical strength, etc. And then what are your, your financial goals? Uh, do you need high returns to catch up because you're haven't saved because you haven't saved enough, and your financial or your risk tolerance level matches that? Then you want to be more aggressive. Now, does that mean bonds are never a right fit for an aggressive account? Absolutely not. Um, uh, so, is thirty percent a good allocation? I can't tell you unless I know more information. So I mean, if you send me a note and we get, it, you know, we can talk a little bit more, uh, maybe off air, then I can give you some more specifics. But uh, and it also depends on what type of bonds, right? A high yield bonds right now, while they have high high payouts, uh, they're extremely risky. And I'm going to get a little later uh, to one of my talking points on why that is. Uh, but it, it depends. Not all bonds are the same. Just like I said, equities. Not all equities are the same. Not all bonds are the same. High yield bonds are far riskier than government bonds, but they also have different types of risks. So you can see how complex it gets. So I, I need a little more information. I wish I could just sum it up in one easy soundbite, but I can't because I don't know enough. Then besides, you have 18 investment options in your 401k and 30% bonds. Uh, so it may or may not. I wish I could give you a more precise answer, but if you want to talk about it more, shoot me an email. Go to investtalk.com. Click on the invest. Talk tab, or no, sorry, click on contact Justin. Now let's talk a little bit about reality. Are you invested in REITs? Well, in some situations, owners of failing malls are looking for buyers. Uh, the tide has started to turn in that space. It's kind of one of those things that's. You know, the Fed's low interest rate policy has created so what I call is I call malinvestment, right? Money's so cheap that they just throw at anything that's high yielding, despite the, the longer term trends of that asset class. So, you know, they run some numbers and they say right now it's yielding this much and, uh, and I'm borrowing it this much and that spread is so large that it makes sense to go out and make that investment. And that happened a lot, uh, you know, through the early 2010s uh, with with real estate, with uh, commercial real estate and failing malls. You know, Amazon has been on the rise for many years 
And it's starting to the, the tide is starting to go out on these higher risk assets like lower tier malls, like C class malls. Uh, and a lot of the ones that a lot of people or, or uh, investment funds or just owners of malls are starting to unload kind of the weaker ones and there's not a lot of buyers out there. Why? Because there's shaky tenant rosters, failing foot traffic, and kind of an old business model that's you know not exactly getting better. Because of e-commerce. The popularity of e-commerce has really changed everything. Uh, and there's, there's some quotes from... Uh, a uh, real estate investment trust, which owns 21 mid-Atlantic region malls, and the the CEO says it's t a tough environment. Nobody really anticipated the decline of the department store uh, would happen as quickly as it did. I mean, I, I think that's crazy that he made that quote. Shows that you you really don't understand the retail space. Uh, if you're if you're if you're making that quote, I could we said that you know 10 years ago. So what's happening now is some, like Simon Property Group, they're putting a lot of money into updating centers. They're, they're, one example is uh, actually, you know, I'm in Southern California, Orange County. There's an older mall in uh, Laguna Hills, Laguna Hills Mall, and it, it's been dying for years. And it's owned by Simon Property Group. And what's interesting, what they did is they it used to be a mall, normal mall. You walk in and every store is on the inside. They flipped it. All of the new, they, they're remodeling everything. All the new, uh, uh, shops are facing outward and everything's outdoor uh, so that's a pretty interesting trend that I see I see happening is uh, especially in areas where uh, there, there's good weather like here in Southern California I think that would work but the, the there's really a lot of problems with lower tier malls that's why uh, I see a lot of a default wave coming from uh, the corporate sector, from commercial real estate. That's where you're really seeing the malinvestment happening the most. Corporate bonds, commercial real estate. You know, before, you know, everyone looked back. Everyone tries to focus on the last crisis. Where, did, where were the problems? Well, that was the housing market, the, the residential market. That's almost never, the last crisis is never the next crisis. Almost never. Because they've learned at least enough of a lesson to not make those same mistakes. So they tend to move on, malinvestment in other areas, and this is where it is. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and I, think you're, I, th I thank you for listening to Invest Talk. I want to alert you to an exciting opportunity that you'll soon have to potentially upgrade your portfolio trajectory. You may have heard that Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to conduct personalized portfolio reviews on July 18th. Uh, it's coming up faster than you expect. Usually does, and uh, it's true. He's. Uh, I strongly encourage you to reserve your spot. They do fill up relatively fast. So to to start your reservation to meet with him, go to investtalk.com. Click on the Invest Talk tab, and then Portfolio Review. Talk and Justin's back from vacation. He's here to help you find answers and to see you through the decision making process. You'll want his number. Call Justin now, 888 99Chart. 888 99Chart, 888 992 
888-346-9478. Give me a call. I want to hear what's on your mind on this Monday. Now, what's our feature talking point today? Well, it's seven stocks retirees should avoid, and we'll get to that subject in just a little bit, but I have some other ones as well. I want to talk a little bit about the bond market and why uh, the junk bond market is set for the, the, the focus of you know, whenever the next downturn happens. Uh, it's always hard to know exactly when, but it, it, there, there's usually a catalyst. There's usually a main area focused of, like I said, malinvestment, meaning just poor investment choices, people making bad bets on uh, uh, on a sector, an area of the investment world that is just simply bad or wrong or miscited, misguided. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the junk bond market and why that is kind of going to be the epicenter of the next wave. And then also the 50-15-5 rule or, or spent rule of thumb, let's say that. Uh, and this comes with it comes down to budgeting and, and how to allocate your income uh, and, and what the studies show a good mix of how much you should spend on essential spend, uh, uh, expenses, retirement savings, and short-term savings. So we're going to get to that as well. And then lastly, if we have time, there's some new warnings about Social Security and Medicare, uh, but we'll hopefully, I don't know if we'll get to have time for that, but we might have time for it. So that's, uh, that's what's on the docket for today, but the most important thing is what is on your mind. What are you thinking about? What questions do you have about the market, about the economy, about uh, maybe the political climate in relation to investing. You know, I don't like to get uh, political on this show. It's not uh, smart for us. Uh, it doesn't really do much uh, except for how will the policies play out uh, in the financial markets, in the business world. That's really what, uh, what matters the most. You know, uh, there's a lot of partisanship in the world today. And that's, that's not our thing. Uh, we never want to be that way because we want to focus on what the facts are. Not in Politics a lot of times are emotional uh, and the facts in relation to how it affects companies, markets, your investments, etc. So uh, we can talk about all those things. So I want to hear from you. Now have you noticed that it seems as if almost everyone is offering financial advice these days? But do these countless advisors have decades of experience? Well, that's what we have over at KFP Financial. We've been in business for 25 years. So that's why we have Invest Talk. That's why we have the show. So we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 888 99Chart. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their number one mission is helping you grow and protect your money. How does KPP do that? With special programs like Dynamic Growth, Disciplined Equity, or Active 401k. KPP recommends the program that is best suited for your financial situation. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Even better, contact Steve or Justin through a message on InvestTalk. Start on the Contact Us top menu link or call now with your questions. The lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Danny in Tustin. How are you doing, Danny? Doing well, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Hey, um, I have a question about uh, ticker symbol T, AT&T. 
Okay. Uh, I've been noticing okay. for a while it's been going down little by little, and now with the acquisition mm-hmm. of Time Warner, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, when's a good time to to get in, and is there a possibility for for growth as well with the acquisition of Time Warner? And of course, you know, the the nice dividend it comes with. So I'm you know, just wondering about it. Yeah, well, one of the big reasons it's been uh, declining is uh, interest rates, right? It's a dividend stock. uh, Any high-dividend-paying stock is going to have some uh, correlation to the bond market. So as interest rates have gone up, uh, this has weighed on a lot of high-dividend-paying stocks because suddenly the bond market becomes a little bit more attractive. Money flows out of these type of names and into the bond market. So that's one of the run of the reasons. Uh, another is the wireless industry is under pressure, right? There's a lot of competition from T-Mobile and Sprint to lower uh, wireless phone bills, uh, and so Verizon and AT&T have really been taking taking their lumps there. Uh, and if you look at the revenue of AT&T, it's been either declining or flat for uh, what's that six straight quarters, so about a year and a half. Now earnings have, have stayed growing, not dramatically by any means but you know they're still going up a uh, little by little uh, and uh, they've there's two major that that's one major theme on that side and then there's certainly the acquisition like you talked about which you know in today's world contents king how they uh, digest that content and utilize that content and 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 make their whole business more profitable and efficient is will be interesting to see. I, I haven't read or understood exactly what their plan is, but what it does do is add a lot of debt uh, to, to their balance sheet, which they already do have a lot of debt. And I think uh, that's more of the unknown. So the negative is the wireless sector problem. The, the, the more unknown that could go either way is that acquisition. What I actually think is a big positive for them is the end of net neutrality. That actually happened uh, last week, I think. Uh, where finally net neutrality uh, is gone and, and uh, uh, internet service provider, providers like AT&T will, could start cutting up their services, right, where you have a package for social media, a package for streaming, package for right. email, things like that. Now, they haven't done any of that yet, but I can almost guarantee you they will, and they're smart enough to not do it immediately to make people freak out, but they'll slowly implement that stuff, and I think that will raise the cost for consumers and ultimately give more control to AT&T uh, and you know I think that'll be a positive uh, for them and a lot any anybody who's delivering data you know the Verizons of the world companies that have that pipeline to push data to the home uh, and that will be a positive for them and then there's the interest rates right and, it, it, and that the interest rate changes kind of depend on what you're if you're a short-term buyer, long-term buyer, what type of investor are you, Danny? Um, long-term, long-term. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, this is down about 20% from its 52-week high. It was around uh, $44 in mid-2016, and now we're at $32 a share. So it's down significantly, definitely into some longer-term support. Um, and I kind of like it. You know, if you're a dividend-focused guy, uh, you're a dividend-focused investor, I, this is this is a, a stock that I'm starting to like down in these areas, and only mainly because of that net neutrality ending. It's going to be a strong benefit 
for these inter internet service providers, and I think they can fight enough on the on the on the wireless space to maintain profitability uh, and consistency, and I think they'll be fine there. Uh, the biggest unknown for me is, are did they waste a bunch of money with this Time Warner deal uh, or not? But I think ultimately they're smart enough, and that comes to their their management. They're smart enough to uh, do things right, and uh, so I kind of like it down here. Great, great. Uh, well, thanks for answering my question. That's all I needed to know. Thanks, Danny, and uh, glad you could call from uh, here from somebody local. You know, you're in Tustin, just uh, about 20 minutes away from uh, where I'm at in Laguna Beach. So uh, good to hear from uh, a local listener. Thanks, Danny. All right, eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. So you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about twenty five minutes left, but that's going to go by quickly. So if you do have a question, give us a call. Uh, let's talk about the market today. It was uh, down. It rallied a little bit late in the day, but it was down most of the day on uh, trade. You know, the the the, the tariff talks and uh, really trade wars are starting to heat up. Uh, between China and the U.S., uh, and this is not a positive. You know, Trump is has in a lot of ways has been good for business, uh, but the biggest fear when he was elected was his tough talk on trade. Uh, and you know, he started off with tax cuts, and that was certainly uh, good for for businesses. We can't really argue that. Uh, but now he's moving to trade. You know, trade war. Uh, and how intense it gets is really going to be uh, interesting and a uh, deciding factor to see, did, is he going to counteract all the positive effects of lower taxes by, you know, the trade war? That's, this isn't a political thing, it's just, you know, how, how much is that going to really affect business? And I think it's fear, or not fear, but worry is starting to creep into the market. Um, you know, so that's something to, to continue to monitor. Now, what's coming up on Invest Talk? Oh, we don't think we have time. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. 888 chart. Our Invest Talk podcast continues. One of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about. The balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. It's a Monday Invest Talk. What better way to start the week than by getting sound financial advice? We understand, and Justin's at his desk, ready for the challenge of your questions. Give him a call now, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Mike in San Jose. How you doing, Mike? Good, and you? Doing fantastic. What can I do for you? I got uh, I got some um, uh, NetApp stock, uh, NTAP. Just want to know if I should okay. offload the selling uh, some or should I buy more? First question is what percentage of your overall investment portfolio is it? 1%. Okay, so it's not a big position. 
uh, you know, yeah. so you, I'm assuming you've done well because it is at a uh, 52-week high, right? And yeah. uh, um, where do you? It's it's gone from about uh, what twenty dollars a share roughly in early 2016, and now it's at seventy eight dollars a share. So it's a uh, it's certainly a strong momentum moving higher. Uh, are, what was the reason you bought it? Let's say that. It's just short short term. Short term, okay. So, I'm so just, you're a short term yeah. short term trader. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm not going to really get into the fundamentals, even though the fundamentals are, you know, it's a little overpriced, but uh, it's certainly not crazy overpriced like many tech stocks uh, in, in the market today. Uh, so I'm just going to go straight off of the chart. And if you're uh, watching on our YouTube live stream, uh, you'll see the chart. And I'm, I'm browsing the different time frames. Uh, it's certainly overbought uh, by, by any, any measure. Uh, technically, it's definitely overbought. Uh, you know, could it go higher? Sure, absolutely. It could remain overbought for uh, a period of time. Uh, it's pro it's going to be it's going to probably have a pullback relatively soon, back into the maybe low 70s, maybe even hit the high 60s. Uh, but I wouldn't be shaken out of that stock uh, too quickly. Uh, do you know if there's earnings out soon? Because this is the type of stock. Okay, you know it's had strong price momentum. And I would say I would not hold it in earnings. It did look like it had earnings oof, relatively recently. Do you know? No, I don't. Mike? You don't? Okay. I would look at that when it has earnings because that's really, I think it's going to maintain this momentum into earnings. That's typically what's, what happens. Uh, and if it has this, if it's this overbought into earnings and you're a short-term trader, you want to get out of it. Because usually what happens is, even if it has really good earnings, it could easily sell off because expectations are so high on it, right? And and that's probably what's happening right now. I don't know the exact date, but it's probably relatively soon. And if the earnings are still really, really good, it might go up, but it's not going to go up that much. Um, so, you know, these type of stocks going into earnings are very risky. And so I would be looking to take the, your money off the table relatively soon, especially if they're going into earnings uh, soon. But I would I would hold it into the next, before, like, like a few days, the week of earnings. I would hold it probably into that and then sell it before earnings come out. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Mike. That was NTAP, N-T-A-P. I hope that gave you a little more insight into the thinking. If you're a short-term trader, this is it's very often this happens. Is, is whatever it's doing going into earnings, whether that's rising or falling, you know, if it's going up a lot like NTAP, there's usually a lot of strong expectations, and it really has to knock it out of the park. Otherwise, the stock is really going to get trounced. And vice versa. Uh, many stocks who maybe are, are having tough times and the market doesn't have a lot of faith in them. Maybe there's a lot of short sellers in the name. And it goes into earnings and it's been down hard into earnings, anticipating bad earnings. If those earnings are only oh, you know, just kind of bad, the stock will rally quickly and easily. Um, the, the earnings really have to be atrocious for the stock to continue down on that pace. And that's kind of uh, the nature of how these uh, earnings announcements work for, for you know stocks that are moving a lot. Let's talk about our main talking point, and uh, it's about seven stocks retirees should avoid. And the first one is pretty obvious. Uh, it's Tesla. Uh, you know, Elon has a lot of devotees, 
And but it, it's an extremely volatile stock, both in downside and upside. I mean, to me, it's the, one of the biggest frauds I've ever seen. I mean, Tesla is uh, just from an investment standpoint. I mean, Elon just lies through his teeth at every turn, and and you know people still believe what he says. It's 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 crazy to me. Uh, but you know, it happens time after time. Um, you know, they're, they're running low on cash. They're getting sued. They're laying off workers. But he manipulates the stock up by buying before. The market opens. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. The fact that the SEC hasn't come down on them uh, is baffling and really is just a, a, another indictment of how terrible the SEC is at policing the markets. Uh, the fact that they let Elon get away with the things that he does is insane. And they should, whoever is focused on them, should be fired over the SEC. But I'll stop there. <laughs> so, first thing, Tesla. Second, General Electric. Uh, you know, the, the, their, their shares have fallen dramatically, and everyone knows the name GE, right? Uh, everyone knows that uh, what GE is, it's an industrial company. That's what they think it is. But, you know, ever since kind of the, the mid 90s, GE has moved away from building light bulbs and trains and turbines and things like that into the financial sector. And they went for decades. Uh, just being trusted right there with GE. And another problem in the SEC, they, they, they ignored the accounting gimmicks that were used by some of the biggest frauds, the Enrons, the Teslas, the, the Lehmans of the world. Uh, and they did a lot of shady accounting practices and because they were GE, they were, they were ignored. Um, and in short, the GE, the beloved GE, that was the industrial firm, is now a big mess. Uh, and there's a long, long road to uh, any semblance of what they were before, right? They need to uh, spin off assets, sell assets, clean up their balance sheet, get get their, 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 uh, their, their books correct, uh, reduce a ton of debt. And, you know, it's just really not a stock that you should count on. There's too much uncertainty. Uh, I believe the dividend was cut recently. And uh, they're going to be selling a lot of assets and there's going to be a lot of volatility. And it's, it's not probably going to be a long road to get this company back on its feet. Uh, and then lastly, the FANG stocks. You know, you're talking about Facebook, Amazon, uh, Netflix, Google. Uh, you know, some people include Apple. I think Apple is separate. Uh, Apple is certainly a strong company, strong cash flows. We own it for clients. But, you know, kind of the other ones are, while they're good companies, they're certainly very overvalued uh, and very, you know, just very volatile and not something a retiree should be counting on. You know, in retirement, you want to be counting on companies to maintain their business, maintain their dividend, maintain their earnings, especially through all economic cycles. And those seven companies I just mentioned just really aren't the ones you should be counting on. Now, on the radio or via podcast, Invest Talk is a place to discover key insights from myself and Steve. And on radio, podcasts, or the web, Invest Talk is also your anytime resource for learning about the complex variables that affect your ability to attain financial success. You know, doing this is, is, is not simple. You gotta know a lot, you gotta understand uh, a lot of things that you can simplify it in certain ways, but you definitely need to have a broad spectrum of, of knowledge. 
And so whether we're dispensing tips like how to find a great stock or an explanation of more broadly tailored financial planning strategy, invest, investment strategies, InvestTalk consistently provides independent investment advice. That's, that's our goal. We don't have any biases. We're not like sitting here pushing our book or anything like that. We're simply telling it like we see it. And we could be wrong. We're certainly wrong. Uh, don't don't think that we're right 100% of the time, 90% even, even, you know, some might say we're not even right a majority of the time. Depends on your point of view. No one is right 100% of the time, so understand that. So we would like to be your, your, your resource for consistent investment advice, which is never influenced by bias or third-party propaganda. So you can bookmark it now on investtalk.com. If you haven't fine-tuned your portfolio, you may be missing all sorts of opportunities to protect and grow your money. Here's your chance to get a free portfolio review tune-up. Steve Peasley will be in San Jose for limited one-on-one portfolio review appointments. The date will be July 18th. Your smartest move is to reserve your space now at investtalk.com. Start on the Invest Talk menu link, scroll down to Portfolio Review, and send a registration request. Invest Talk is consistently providing independent investment advice, which is never influenced by bias or third party propaganda. Steve can do this for your personalized review, too. But you better act now. Start at investtalk.com. Hey, Steve or Justin, I was calling to find out what you thought about. Johnson and Johnson, J and J. It's hitting around a fifty-two week low. And I just wondered if you thought that was a value buy right now or you think it's gonna continue to go down to around looks like a hundred has good support. I'll list on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. All right. He's looking at Johnson and Johnson. I don't think anybody has to uh I don't need to explain to anybody who they are, but they, they're they're a they're certainly a broad, diversified medical company. They're not just a drug company or medical device. They have uh, certainly plenty of uh, over-the-counter uh, uh, products as well. So they're, they're broadly diversified, which I love. Strong return on equity, 31%, which is very, very good, very consistent. Uh, I, I love that. And I, I, I they have a strong economic moat. Uh, if you listen to our last webinar, you'll understand kind of what that means. So we love that. Yields 3%. Revenues and earnings both went up about 13% last quarter, and that's accelerating on both fronts, which I like that. Uh, so the, the main reason for this drop is interest rates. Talked about earlier. Dividend-paying stocks, uh, are they're, they're the ones that are getting hit the most when it comes to uh, higher interest rates and a lot, there's a lot of bond proxiness to uh, big blue chip companies that pay dividends. Uh, it's about a $325 billion market cap. Their enterprise value is $346 billion, so roughly $20 billion in, in debt, which is not a lot at all uh, for the size of, of, G, of Johnson & Johnson. Its dividend yield is about 3%, like I said, but their payout ratio is their payout ratio is high, but their, their cash dividend payout ratio is about 50%, meaning they have plenty of cash flow. He's right. There is some uh, uh, strong support around $100 a share, 
But I actually think there's even the 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 best support is it's kind of 2014 high. Let's see what that number was. Around 110. Uh, so it's in a downtrend. You know, that's my biggest thing. It's in a downtrend, and downtrends can persist uh, for a while. There needs to be a strong factor that tells me there's there's a turn coming. Uh, and there was high. I'll, I'll say this. I'm looking at a chart. If you're watching on Invest Talk or the YouTube live stream, you'll see this. The bottom right hand of the screen on the chart I have up, there's a pretty big spike. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, uh, much higher than normal uh, in volume on Johnson and Johnson. Those type of days, when you see a downtrend and then a large spike that especially is ends near the high of the day, it's telling me that there's big institutional investors, there's big money putting their money behind this name and it's a turnaround candidate. Uh, so I actually like this. Uh, I like Johnson & Johnson here. I'm going to actually look at this tomorrow for clients. So uh, Johnson & Johnson, fan of Johnson & Johnson at these levels. The strongest, strongest support is at 110, but you know many times the stocks don't get there. Uh, so you know I'm, I'm a fan of Johnson & Johnson. Uh, I like the diversity of the business, low debt, high return on equity, strong economic moat, a lot to like about Johnson & Johnson, except for the chart, but that day uh, yesterday makes me a lot more bullish uh, that the turnaround is coming soon. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have uh, 10 minutes, 10 minutes left. So here's your warning. If you want to get your question in today, you're going to have to make your call now. Let's talk a little bit about the bond market, especially the high-yield bond market. I know bonds are boring, right? But the problem is bonds really run the financial markets, okay? And you can just go back to what I was talking about with bond yields. Bond yields rising, that's affected uh, the, the the stocks that pay high dividends. It, it will affect the housing market. Uh, it affects a lot of assets. And so bonds are very important because it's credit. You know, a lot of people talk about the economic cycle, but the economic cycle is really just the credit cycle. It's really what it is, right? Because as long as banks are lending, as long as money is available, the, the, the economy kind of runs right because people find money to do what they want to do okay the problem is is when the economy goes down or the credit credit shrinks up right remember it was in 2007 2008 it was banks started seeing all these defaults and they stopped lending and that had a knock-on effect and a, a, it kind of snowballed on itself okay and so the bond market is extremely important, and it's a, a big, huge part of that credit cycle. And so focusing and understanding the, the risks and the trends in the credit cycle are extremely important, and the bond market are extremely important. So after the break, I'm going to talk a little, about, a little bit about that. Now it's a Monday. Start a new, a new work and investment week. Now, Invest Talk program for about 11 more minutes, and I'm here and ready to take your calls. Make your questions count now at 888 chart.
on the next Invest Talk. The bottomless Social Security and Medicare financial hole. That's Tuesday. But now, Justin is ready and waiting for your calls. He'll have answers to your financial questions, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Now let's talk about the high-yield bond market, and it has grown larger and riskier since the financial crisis. And what's happening is companies are seeking ever weaker covenants. Now, what is a covenant? Covenant is something that the uh, the, the, the lenders, right, people who want to buy uh, the debt or uh, investment banks that uh, issue the debt, uh, uh, puts restrictions on the company, saying you need to re- you need to keep solvency ratios above this. Uh, you're not allowed to issue more debt without these uh, uh, these protections for us, the the ones that are going to invest in this in this bond offering, right? So covenants can mean a lot of different things, but basically they're things to uh, stipulations to protect the investor in the bonds. And so what's happening is companies are are are, are not they have so much weight because people are chasing yield uh, that they are having weaker covenants. They're taking uh, advantage of the current conditions to borrow a ton of money on uh, not a lot of uh, interest. And it's almost like the financial crisis never happened. And the lessons are uh, that were learned then are kind of ancient history. And more of this debt is of lower quality with weaker covenants. And that means that the next downturn will be bigger and longer and uglier for this sector. That's why I say well, that caller earlier that's 30% bonds. Well, what type of bonds are you talking about? And so the size of the U.S. high-yield bond market, I mean the junk bond market, and the leveraged loan market, which is another uh, high-risk market, have, are close to double the size of what they were in 2007. So it's not like the sector shrink; it's, it's grown dramatically. And this is where a lot of people are chasing yield. Now, it used to be chasing yield in uh, residential real estate because everyone said uh, housing prices never go down. Obviously, that was wrong. So now, not only are the debt outstanding larger for these companies, but the average credit ratings have shifted downward on leveraged loans uh, as well. Now, in 2007, 17% of outstanding loans were co- called covenant light, meaning not a lot of investment per- investor protection on these bonds. Today, over, it's over 75%. Let me rephrase that, re- repeat that. In 2007, it was 17%. Now it's 75%. And over 80% of new junk bond issues are covenant light. So investor protections are very, very low. Interest cover, coverage ratios are all, also used to benefit from two from a two deviances from historical levels of interest rates, meaning interest rates were extremely, extremely low. And ones that were linked to LIBOR uh, uh, were, were, were fine. They were floating rate, right? That's often uh, junk debt. And now that interest rates are rising, a lot of these are going to come into problems and you're going to start to see more defaults. Let's go to Rob in Santa Clara. Let's talk about, let's talk about stock value. Hey, uh, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. So I've heard uh, you and um, Steve, when asked about a specific company, say that, oh, it's a great company, but it's a little high in price right now, so put it on an investor's watch list. So my question Mm -hmm. is, is what 
option strategy can I use to get paid for waiting such that if the price falls, I can go ahead and pick up that stock at a reduced price that I was waiting for the price to go down anyways? And do you recommend that strategy? I like that strategy. I'm always a fan of selling options. I'm not a fan of buying options typically. Uh, in, in rare cases, yes, but uh, typically I'm, I'm a bigger fan of selling options. So what you could do is sell a long dated put option at a lower price. So if it gets down to that level you and you have to buy it anyway, uh, that's not a big deal. Now the biggest worry is if you're using leverage, uh, that's that's an issue. So I like ca what is called a cash secured put strategy. Cash secured put, uh, meaning that no matter how low the stock goes, you still have that money to buy it at that lower price. Uh, and if it doesn't go there, then you the option expires worthless and you get to keep the premium that you received uh, and, and you still made money on it. Uh, so that's a strategy that I do like. I always love selling option premiums. Thanks for the call, Rob. That is our time for today's program. I hope you have learned something of a value in this hour. If you'd like some additional information, take a moment to send me a message through investtalk.com. Go to investtalk.com and click on the Contact Us link. Scroll down and send me a message or question. I'm Justin Klein. Steve and I thank you for listening today. Talk to you tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.